everybody welcome back to the best thing ever a podcast about the stuff your friends like as you know i have a reputation on the internet for being somewhat of a hater this week i've hated on ChatGPT, threads swifties reddit cult cult leaders pickleball and marilyn manson and i will clarify i'm right about all of those but just as a balance to my life i'm looking for new ways to love things and new things to love and so that's why this show, the best thing ever, where my friends talk about things that they love. This week, episode 21 of the show, we are talking about, you know, I love a war, right? You guys, one of my favorite you things. You love a war. war. I love a war. <laughs> I mean, why I, else would you shit on Swifties? There's nothing yeah. good that comes from that. I, have, I would rather you have said I was playing with a loaded gun this week than say I was hating I on Swifties, clarify. Alex. There was, I love was, you too much. It was one Swiftie. There was one Swiftie who I, and, and the thing I didn't like about her was that I think she was taking advantage of other Swifties. To be oh, it always starts, so it always starts with one Swiftie, and then the yeah. army quickly comes. What are you doing? Are legion. Dude, I they're all like, one. I feel like I'm on the right side of this issue. She was being, she was conning other Swifties, and I didn't appreciate it. Mm. Um, but the, so I love wars, and one of my, some of my favorite wars have taken place among the stars. So for episode 21, mm. we're talking about possibly the best thing ever, Star Wars, and that we have a great presentation today from uh, my friend Anthony Lopez, including such uh, things. I'm looking at pictures that I've pulled for this. Some things I've got. There's, there's that meme where Anakin is like, but you did this, right? Right? Mm -hmm. um, there's. It looks like a picture of a watershed. And then I don't know mm -hmm. this guy in a suit. What is this from? Not that is Anthony. from David Lynch's oh. Dune. Okay, that's from. Oh, oh, sorry. Dune. I didn't realize. I know. I thought it's more us interpreting what you're going to talk about. But okay, so we've got oh, those things: right. uh, a watershed, Dune, and uh, this is just a meme, right? All of that and more is coming up. So we're going to take we take the topic, we're going to do a deep dive into it, and then we're going to rank it on the master list. Let me introduce you to our panelists in a game that I call Three Hosts and a Lie, where I introduce everybody with a fun fact. Three of the fun facts are true. One of them is not true. That could include mine. We'll find out. I'm Alex. I'm your host. I'm a comedian. Uh, and my first writing job, here's a fun fact, my first writing job was for a topless magazine. That's a fact. Could be true. Could be not true. Uh, when you were 12, what does that mean? Magazine? What, what is a topless yeah, like magazine? I don't know. It could be a true thing. It could be not a true thing. Mm. If I were to well, guess. Well, but just if we get to ask a question, though. Yeah, yeah. it's a magazine <laughs> where the, the top half of it is gone. It's is just, it it's a top magazine where you magazine. have to, yeah, like, yeah. So this is you the... flip it upside down and the <laughs> yeah. top disappears, but you flip it back oh, and the yeah, top disappears? That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So you got to yeah. buy the bottom half at a different place. Yes. Is that what you need a bottom full magazine. Yeah, I don't know what you would – I guess I, it would like a, like a soft core porno mag, if that makes sense. Like it's like – tasteful nudity but not actually it, hypothetically if this was true um also you, you said you get a question the questions definitely make this game too easy for the listener so that's a choice oh no because there's prizes no 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 it's it's gonna be hard i like that tough. Uh, no no mind. okay uh also joining us uh our chief marketing officer uh mr ezra fox fun fact about him he once found a fried mouse in a box of chicken nuggets <laughs> like not a box yeah. like a thing a case well, I mean, a so it was a happy meal. The wildest thing about it, the mouse did look pretty happy, all things considered. <laughs> oh, mm. dang. It was because <laughs> it thought it was about to get some food. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> it was about to have a bunch of French fries. delicious. Yeah, that's so true. Um, was it peanut oil or what kind of I was, uh, oil I think was it? Was it still canola. I think it was back in the day because peanut allergies, I think, were still uh, were, were uh, known okay. at this point. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also joining us today, our chief historian, Mr. Anthony Lopez. Fun fact about him, he was in jazz band for over a year without learning how to read music. Oh, yeah. That's I played true. guitar. I sat in the back. Just 
didn't do anything for a full year. <laughs> it's got oh. an A. It I was mean, fucking great. I, yeah, I do feel like guitar in jazz band, pretty soft sound. You could definitely miss it behind, like yeah, yeah. Doom, 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 doom. yeah, yeah. And there Drum. was a really good guitar player, so I learned a valuable life lesson there, which is if you can like be the guy behind a really talented guy, you can go really far in life. Yeah, we all, right? Just kind of like sit how, behind him. How far have you gone? You are on this podcast mostly for your guitar skills, mm. so you really. Well, where's he now? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know what Hans is. <laughs> yeah, if you're Hans, Hans right in. Zimmerman, yeah, terrible guitar player. <laughs> um, also rounding out the panel today, our uh, official board game influencer, Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Fun fact about him: he hasn't been to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, but what if I? Because I actually live really near it, mm-hmm. and there's a. I'm not saying for sure, but and I don't want to invalidate the game because I, <laughs> you know, I don't want to mess it up. But I may have, in between telling you. <laughs> Well, uh, like I, I, it could have. My I status know. with this could have changed in a way. Hunter, I'm just. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> were you where at, we're at with the game? I just. I actually think there might be two lies. I'm not certain yeah. though. Hunter, I have a question. <laughs> were you possibly in a Ghostbusters 2 scenario where the Statue of Liberty came to you? Yes. Oh, so that, yeah, yeah. that was what I was going to say. That's the Statue yeah. of Liberty moved into yeah. my neighborhood. It's one of those technically correct. Uh, on yeah. That. Love yeah. Kept yeah. Higher. Liberty. I've never been to the Statue of Liberty, but I have been to the Statue of Liberty in video games. Oh, okay. Does that no. count? I've been to the Statue of Liberty the same. at New York, New York, and Las Vegas. Mm. I've been to that littler one. Uh, There's like a lot oh, of Oh, no, right? it's actually bigger than the real one. Is the one really? in New York, New York. I mean, the, the one yeah. here is really tiny, and I remember well, going to the one in New York, New York, it's the tiny? Las Vegas. It's really small. Okay, well, I'm convinced yeah. now that this is still a true fact. Yeah, the fact French are real cheap. I feel no, really I cheaped out I on the giant statue. Copper was expensive. It's just yeah. in your head. You see it in movies, and you're like, oh, it's so big. Yeah. And then if I've seen it in real life, maybe I would have yeah. thought that it wasn't actually – it didn't actually seem that big that real, that real, big in, in real life yeah. if I have seen it. They um, sent it on a boat, Ezra. Hunter. Uh, Hunter. <laughs> it can't really be so Hunter. big. Are you the kind of person who, if you found out something you had said on a podcast was incorrect, would you like to know that? Or would you like to have the people at home know it, but you don't find out till much later? I just, it's, all I'm pointing out <laughs> is that I've, I mean, that I've maybe question. been to both. And from memory, I thought the one in, in Las Vegas was bigger. Okay, That's then... really my point here. I don't need to be proved right or wrong okay. because I realize that I might be wrong. <laughs> but what I'm, tell- what I'm talking about is what it felt like. You know. Yeah. So it's it's I've, about uh, it's about half the height, a little less than half the height of the real one, and it's um, uh, 150 tons versus 27,000 tons. So it's much much lighter. But yeah, it's two fifths the, the height of the. But you one also in, are in on a roller coaster. You can go on that roller coaster that's around true. it. So it looks bigger because you're moving. Some, that's a classic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's how they get you in Vegas. Okay. That's so, <laughs> trust me. I've gotten a lot of mileage from that philosophy in life. <laughs> so that is the game. Three hosts and a lie. You will have the answers at the end of the show if you stick around. But now it's time to talk about Star Wars. So first, let's talk about why we're talking about Star Wars. So this was picked by our listener, Laura, who won our listener survey contest. Here's And I read you a quote from Laura last week. Here's a little bit more about this um, for our core memory where we talk about our thing, our first mm. and earliest or strongest memories of the uh, of the thing. So from Laura. Wait, Laura's, Alex. Yes. Alex, before you read it, can I just in the background, can we all give him one of these? 
There's like do the opening theme from Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. What were you crawling? Yeah, I kind of blew it up. What were you? What was that? I heard some notes. I hit the wrong notes at the beginning. Yeah, the iconic John Williams. But I'm done. Star Wars. Star Wait, is this where we find out that Anthony actually watched the kids Bob Star Wars? I've only okay, guys. I'm gonna be honest. I've only ever seen Bill Murray's song about Star Wars. I didn't actually see the movie. No, let's do this for real. Let's have a real Star Wars theme song. Oh. Three, two, one. All right. Here's what Laura oh, has to say about I was Star talking Wars. about that later. Laura says, "I am old uh. enough to have seen the first Star Wars film in theater opening weekend." Wow, uh, hipster. Wow. Uh, within a week, everyone on the playground was shooting blasters, roaring like Chewbacca, and having lightsaber battles, oh. which is why I, I assume so many of Laura's classmates were without arms. Um, <laughs> it literally changed it our dangerous. world, filling it with action figures, lunchboxes, and, of course, the holiday special, which I remember watching on my sofa and thinking, whatever the child's version of WTF is. 90s kids had their prequels. My kids had Clone Wars and some awesome video games like Battlefront. Today we've got Ray, Kylo, Kylo Ren, Baby Yoda, and all the Disney Plus programs. That is 45 years of content, all stemming from one little film. And then there's all of the extended universe, some canon, some no longer canon, the former mm -hmm. canon, the X canon. Uh, um, and then there was the no longer canon, but now maybe is again. Anyway, the influence cannot fully be measured. Does influential always equal good? Of course not. But Star Wars from the beginning was about fun. Watching the movies is fun. Debating which of the trilogies is best is fun. Watching kids discover it all for the first time is fun and isn't fun truly the best thing ever. Kind of a meta question mm -hmm. there. I don't know where we'd rank yep. fun. Yeah. We're just doing a little bit of category fraud at the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're ranking Star Wars. Just a little okay. Also fun. I will say, I, now I wonder if rereading this and reading it out loud, I guess, I'm wondering if maybe Laura meant exclusively Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope instead of the whole thing. But we'll see. Who, who, who Too late. Knows? We're doing it all. One of the things We're... I like about our rating is the category fraud, is that we rank it on yeah. the master list based on whatever we think it is we just talked about. So we're going to talk about it. So that's Laura's core memories. Obviously, we were not old enough to have seen it in theaters when it first came out. Anthony, I think you put this image in. Do you want to start us off yes. with this image? What's this we're looking at for your core memory? Yeah, so um, what I put in the core for the core memory was um, I was not a rich kid who could watch it on the superior laser disc version, oh, which yeah. for a long time was the only way to, like, the best way to see Star Wars. Uh, but this is how I first saw Star Wars, was this uh, VHS trilogy set. Um, I remember the first time I saw Star Wars was about right about the time before the re-releases in like 97, mm. I believe they were, mm -hmm. because I had never really kind of come up around Star Wars. I didn't know a lot of people. I didn't really know what it was. So I like genuinely went in pretty blind. You know, a, a big part of the reason why the re-releases even happened was because uh, kids from our age group weren't being um, introduce the Star Wars as frequently. Like, yeah. it's literally because the books this, and toy sales were declining is why they re-released it. So it worked beautifully, well, I, obviously. Like, I think actually they re-released it because that um, was his true original vision and he was finally able to realize it. But Yeah, I mean, that's the true. The toy the sales were, were, But... 
Yeah, so this was the first time I saw it was on VHS 4x3, again, the way he clearly intended it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I watched um, these VHS ones so much that for probably the first 10 years of my life, I thought every movie just started with like the Fox, like um, like, mm. like 20th Century Fox, like fanfare. Oh, that was I thought all, all movies yeah, yeah. had to start that way. I love that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, wait, I, so I really, the, the first time I ever saw any of this was definitely uh, uh, ROTJ, and it was on television when I was very young. I remember mm. my parents were like watching it on. Oh. So I, I remember well, my strongest memories are like the Ewoks and commercial breaks. That's how I was first, also the way George oh, intended wow. it to be viewed. And just being like, why aren't they blinking? What? But he eventually fixed that. <laughs> but he had the time. <laughs> did he really? Oh, that, I didn't realize that. That's yeah, funny. that was one of the last final revisions he did. Hilarious. Was uh, he made it so the Ewoks blink? I well, so what I remember is I remember asking my parents what was going on, and then being like, yeah. "Is too confused." I don't, like all it's yeah. we, it's too much. You're too far behind. Mm. And then my well, they sec- won't they they won't like well see. Joseph Campbell's hero with a thousand faces <laughs> says that the hero's journey must be. Uh, and then I definitely I had the VHS tapes that I watched a bunch, but I definitely had the 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 fixed versions. I'll call them. I had the re-releases, so I thought all movies started out with George Lucas explaining why he'd ruined the movie mm. for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my strongest memory of that is that there was a there's a, a part in one of the things where he's like. There's this famous quote that movies are never finished or just abandoned. I didn't want to live with yeah. my abandonment. I wanted to go back and make the movie that I had always intended to make but couldn't. And every almost every change he made made it worse. And so it's just stuck in my mind forever that if people if you're allowed to make the thing you want, it'll be worse than if you're not. That like the yeah. constraints are what yeah. make you good at stuff and when you have Absolutely. money and time, if you get to well, keep screwing with it, you'll only ruin it. Another thing that helped was having all of those really smart, nice friends that he had that fixed the movie the first time because he right. messed it up before it even came out. So right, I mean, right, right. This, I, I, I think I, I think you told me this story at one point, Hunter, but I, this is not something I knew much about, so I only now vaguely know about that. But yeah, this is like, uh, he, he was a tyrant later, but early on had to like listen to people with taste. Well, yeah, I mean, he, uh, like, there's like when he but, showed it to like Brian De Palma and Francis Ford Coppola, and they all were like, "This is." Um, and bad and then they had to fix it because that was his friends he had friends yeah. at the time he had friends interesting uh, now, now he just has money. now he lives in a castle by himself yeah. and he just stands oh, on the like tallest that lady tower in, in the bucket hat and space baby he is like that yeah where she's just always sitting on the throne waiting for him to show up mm-hmm. um mm, yeah, yeah, yeah and then my next memory of it just to keep i'll, I'll wrap on this uh was was uh this this fine lady was this nice lady when i was like mm. who however, is 16 people can't see and, and yeah this is a padme uh and i was 16 and had never seen a more perfect lady than that lady and i was oh. i watched this movie multiple yeah. times in theaters because she was such a cute lady, and then um, I mean, you get a lot what, of versions wait, of her. Did you did you like the like the full the full like Senate regalia? Was that the thing that did it for you? The, oh, yeah, did with, you like, like the white it? makeup and stuff? Yeah. Did you like it more when she was um, Kira Knightley? What? So yeah, so in in oh, the was first she like movie, a double at one point. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, yeah. yeah it literally it goes from scene to scene between the two actresses. Oh, between I didn't, Natalie I didn't know Portman that. and Kira Knightley. And be, they look very similar, and they're wearing all this crazy makeup, and it's pretty hard to tell. But, uh, yeah, throughout the movie. So the idea 
as a child, you thought you were in love with Natalie Portman, but you were secretly in love with Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman? Because what, what yeah. happened was, like, her Natalie Portman's next movie, I think, after episode one, was Where the Heart Is, where she's a pregnant woman living at a Walmart mm. with a southern accent. And I was like... Oh, this is not my favorite lady. I don't oh, like dude, any yeah, of these things so about her. Oh, dude, yeah, she's so bad at accents, dude. <laughs> Natalie can't do those accents. I don't know why people try and keep trying to get her to do voices. She can't do it, man. It's all right. She's not. Look, she seems saying, like a nice like, lady, a, but she, she just can't do that. As a 16-year-old, if you're attracted to somebody, and then all of a sudden they have a different accent and they're pregnant, it's less fun. Right. That's, that's what true. I learned. Um, she, she grew up fast for you. <laughs> she you did. Know? She, exactly. Anyway, Ezra, your dad was like in this universe, right? So... He's canon. So you yeah, yeah. He was also my, my dad. Also swapped scenes in for Natalie Portman and Kieran Knightley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little yeah. beautiful, fact. beautiful uh, woman. Your dad. Uh, no, so 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 my dad uh, really loved Star Wars. I guess when it came out, and then like I think around probably eighty one or eighty two, he was working um, at Lucas in the games division, um, making like computer games. They weren't allowed to touch anything Star Wars based, but they could do other stuff. Like so that like I think George was really interested in games as an idea and didn't have to really make money so it's mm -hmm. like you can't touch star wars we are licensed star wars out to other people doing game stuff but mess around and have fun um so he did a lot of really cool stuff but we had just a ton of star wars swag around the house so like mm. i mean one of the things just like also we, we had like a um we had a revenge of the jedi um uh, poster because they you know they nice. made a ton Whoa. of merch yeah. uh before they realized uh someone was like um, actually, uh, Jedi's don't really take revenge, so we can't do that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not that sure was, that's how Who was it that was realizing that? In that the... was David Lynch's one note when he was... <laughs> no, 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 David Lynch. David Lynch was the first choice to direct Return of the Jedi, and he well, immediately Steven Spielberg no. was the first choice. Yes, and then Steven Spielberg, yeah, and then, and then yeah. David Lynch was the second choice, and David Lynch immediately said no. But as he left the table, I imagine he stood up and went, um... <laughs> I don't think Jedi's get revenge <laughs> like that. I'm sure. Okay, so this is all new to me. I didn't realize either of those things. Boy, those are two different movies. Yeah, I guess mm -hmm. three different movies: the Spielberg version of this movie, but also the David Lynch version of Return of the Jedi. Mm. Well, is there an alternative universe where we could see that? Holy shit! Yeah, well, I, we'll just I mean, fire my Dune. alternate universe uh, viewing machine. Oh, I want to we'll see that right so there. bad. Oh, you can just watch Dune because there's like a pug, a battle pug in Dune. So well, I, mean, I think that's, that's going to come up later in the presentation, according to the uh, image mm -hmm. I randomly grabbed. Um, not really no do you have a, a i mean the posters were there yeah we, we had like i mean we we just it was everywhere it was, it was star wars was really everywhere it was just it was in the air i don't know what the first time i watched any of it yeah um, you know it, just, have, it was just as, always there mm -hmm. have you ever been to skywalker ranch yeah you have <laughs> yeah oh my god yes, i got so i generally yes, got like so excited good question <laughs> yeah i just amazing is it yeah. was it fucking uh, cool was it good yeah yeah it was cool, was it cool? Uh, i mean i mean i was i was uh I mean, I was, I guess, between probably up to like eight years old. I guess I would like, I, I would go there at some points. Um, That's you know, the coolest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, That's cool. so fucking cool. That's okay. so fucking cool. Hunter, Star yeah. Wars core memory. So uh, I remember for some reason I assumed I wasn't gonna like Star Wars. Like I remember my parents were like, "Do you want to watch Star Wars?" And they had the box set, like this box set that we got in the Figma right now. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, nah, I don't think I'll like that. And then my uncle, who had just recently gotten divorced, uh, my divorced <laughs> uncle was like, nah, you should watch Star Wars. <laughs> and it was like me and my cousin and him, and we were sitting there. It was kind of late at night, and he just put on A New Hope, and then he fell asleep. Uh-huh, sure. And so he was just like asleep, like snoring. And then my cousin fell asleep, too. And so we're just, and I'm just like sitting on this couch with this like, you know, snoring 
divorced uncle, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you know how those divorced uncle snores now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and New Hope finished, and I just put in Empire Strikes Back <laughs> and yeah. immediately, like, I just immediately watched the next two movies. Oh, that's uh, rad. With him, yeah. and they were just asleep the entire time. Amazing. And I was just, like, enthralled and was like, this yeah. is unbelievable. This is for me. This is a thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I also love that we're around the age that we all had. The, it's the same box set that we all had. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. It was exactly that one. All right, Anthony, take us from here. So this, these are the memories that got, got us started. Um, but I would like your deep dive. And I know there's a lot of different ways to do it. I'm very excited to see what uh, direction you take it. So without further ado, I'm following. Uh, we're going to follow your lead on the Figma. By the way, if you want to see our images, you can go to YouTube.com slash Alex Falcone. And you can watch along with our amazing visual aids. Anthony, please tell us the deep dive into Star Wars. All right. I got so used to the music not working. Um, <laughs> it always works to the to the listener. Yeah. That's the thing to remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I wanted uh, before I start with this, I want to start with sort of two quick points uh, about Star Wars and what this presentation will not be. Mm. Um, so uh, number one, uh, my first point is that the making of Star Wars is most likely the most covered and documented making of any piece of art right. in the history mm. of art. Right? There were more. If you wanted to find out about the making of Star Wars, you could literally spend the next, the rest of your life yeah. reading <laughs> and watching stuff about the making of Star Wars. It's a fascinating story. There's a, all six movies uh, under the George Lucas banner, which is kind of the Lucasfilm banner. It's mostly what I'm going to be focusing on today. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. If you want to get that story, you can go find it somewhere else. I'm not going to cover that today. Uh, second right. thing I'm I want to cover already. real Continue fast. To no. Second like thing I want to cover documentaries real fast. on this. Yes, uh, exactly. But I don't wanna, I'm not going to watch no. those. I'd like to hear Anthony explain them instead. That's part of nope. the fun of the show. Okay, um, whatever. The second point I want to cover right now, what this presentation is going to be, is that the quality or lack thereof of the Star Wars series is the most discussed and debated of literally any piece of art in the history of art. Again, yeah. if you want to listen to four dudes on a podcast <laughs> argue about if Tack of the Clone sucks, you can do that. Oh, that dude. exists. There's there a Mr. Is Plinkett more... cameo on this figment. Yeah. You gotta check this out, everybody. Yeah, um, to be clear, is, this um... is not disappointing the way the first point yeah. was. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, this is good. I wasn't ready for this one. I wanted so... to learn so... something. I was not interested in doing this one. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing. I, I want to sort of avoid the quality. It's not what I want to talk about. So what do I want to talk about? Instead, I want to talk about this guy right here. Mm. I want to talk about watersheds. So a watershed is essentially... Uh, it's a thing that's caused by mountains and tall hills. When water goes down, it creates a long straight line out to a river or the ocean or whatever. And it essentially creates a long line that once you cross it, you are on the other side of it, right? And it's used in art as a watershed moment with certain things. Uh -huh. I talked about this in a video game episode mm -hmm. about how one of the things I really like about games is you get a lot of these watershed moments every few years in rapid succession. We don't get a lot of them in movies anymore. We do get a few every once in a while. So I want to just as an example of what I'm talking about when I talk about watershed mo moments in film. I want to give a fairly recent example from a lifetime. And I want to talk about... Um, Christopher Nolan's 2008 film, The Dark Knight, right? Okay. Good movie. People like it. It obviously has very iconic performances. Um, the tone obviously influenced film in a major way. We are still feeling that. Um, it was the first movie to ask the question, what if Michael Mann's heat but about the Batman instead? <laughs> mm -hmm. Which is a brave question. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but that's very brave. <laughs> brave, brave. Um, so many. But, what a dramatic answer, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the watershed moment that the Dark Knight actually did. The thing that Dark Knight did that is very, so important for film is that uh, Christopher Nolan and his director of photography, Wally Feister, shot 28 minutes of the Dark Knight using IMAX cameras. All right, so this doesn't sound like a very big thing, but this was an incredibly complicated and a huge pain in the ass process. Uh-huh. Uh, IMAX cameras at the time, there was only about five of them on the planet um, that they could use. They were super expensive. They were incredibly heavy. They were super loud. Uh, you needed even more specialized equipment than you already need to make a movie um, to fucking use these things. The film canisters were really didn't have a lot of film. Uh, so you had to kind of do very long takes. Um, it was a big pain in the ass, but they fought for it. They believed in it, and they shot 28 minutes of The Dark Knight. This choice right here is a watershed moment in the films. This genuinely, literally changed the way movies look. Mm-hmm. Right? This is something not a lot of people will be aware of, but this sent massive shockwaves through the industry. This is a choice that will be felt for literally decades. And what it did is it made IMAX movies cheaper. To make it's made the technology advance really for right before this IMAX was probably about to go out of business. It was a dying format, and they completely revitalized it. Right, it is cool. why even though Mission Impossible, the new Mission Impossible that was being shot with IMAX, um, is going to make more money than Oppenheimer. Uh, IMAX is giving Oppenheimer all IMAX screens in the world for three weeks mm-hmm. because they fucking owe him. <laughs> that is why they are giving Christopher Nolan okay. all the IMAX. Okay. Um, but this literally, like I said, this changed the way movies look. Before The Dark Knight, uh, Fantasia 2000 <laughs> was made for IMAX, and there was a lot of documentaries <laughs> okay. Okay. before this. Okay. Um, but after The Dark Knight, uh, this is just a small selection of some of them. Nope, last year was shot with 48 minutes in IMAX cameras. The cameras have gotten smaller. They've gotten easier to use. Um, and like I said, this literally changed the way movies look. That's what this choice is. And that's the idea I want to talk about today. Right. Okay. So the point is, and why I bring this up, is that the thing about Star Wars is between the first six movies in Star Wars, it did this to literally every facet of filmmaking from Pre-production to production, post-production to distribution, um, exhibition, to the concept of fandom. It did Mm. things to change criticism. It's like the fact that like, you know, you referenced the Plinkett YouTube videos, which you like, however you feel about them. Long form YouTube content. Yeah, yeah. That's where video essays come from. Yes, exactly. The Plinkett review. Like that's the whole thing. Yes. Like Star Wars. Has is even outside of the movies themselves. So much of our world is based off these watershed moments that have come from this film suit. So what I want to focus on is the watershed moments of Star Wars that I kind of find the most interesting. Great. And the things that I sort of think about why it deserves to be on this list. Right? I just want to say I'm real not... quick that Chewbacca without his head on is very unnerving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Peter Mayhew. I feel uncomfortable you don't like looking his at face? this photo. Yep. It's well, calling Peter Mayhew ugly. Still... with a Chewbacca body is very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, you know on set, um, I will give you one piece of Star Wars trivia. You uh-huh. know on set, they gave him lines in English to say 
So, like, everything Chewbacca says, there is a, like, a document you can find that is oh, what fun. he is actually supposed to be uh, saying. That is really funny. Oh, so you that. can find the behind the scenes when, like, Han and him and talking, and Peter Mayhew is, like, saying what Chewbacca is supposed to have been saying. Like? And Did saying, he try to do a voice at all, or was he just like, I agree, I'll tear your arm off? Well, no, he's like <laughs> most people who worked on Star Wars, who weren't the main cast. He's a very nice, soft-spoken British man. Mm. Um, it's oh, a lot wait, like... really? Chewbacca was secretly yeah. British? They did. You did it to me with another actor. Yeah, everyone. Every Darth I, every Vader? I like a person who has a non-British accent, I find out they secretly British. British. Yeah. Darth Vader is British. God um, that's, damn it's, it. it's a big part of why you can imagine why everyone... You know, when they were making Star Wars, they thought it was going to be a disaster because you don't have James Old Jones' voice coming out of Darth Vader. You have a very sweet British guy saying these lines. Mm. And on set, it's like, oh, this is going to suck. This is awful, right? Um, It does seem like on set this movie might have been bad. Like if the lightsabers were just sticks and then everyone was soft-spoken and British. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that so much of the vision and kind of what I'm going to get into here, so much of the vision wasn't possible before Star Wars, right? They had to create so much technology to make this happen, right? That That's some of the stuff that changed, right? So when, I, when I'm talking about watershed moments, you know, I think sort of the first and foremost, the ones that always kind of come to mind for me when I think of Star Wars, and this is something that you absolutely have to credit George Lucas for. This was like kind of his pitch, is what he called the used world aesthetic, Right, so I'm talking about the aesthetic language of Star Wars. Right, science fiction before Star Wars did not look like this. Right, so like I do have some images down here of what science fiction films looked like before. And George, can, can you describe what we're thing. seeing? Like, what what were yeah, some what like the, some key elements of this? Yeah, aesthetically? you know, we got like 2001 is probably the most famous science fiction movie. It's very clean. It's very symmetrical. Nothing looks used. It's very shiny. Um, classic Star Trek. You know, even though the set design is so iconic, everything is shiny. Everything is slick. You know, you have the Flash Gordon serials. You have the Day of the Earth Stood still. Um, it's about a lot, of, a lot of colors matching right? things, yes. right? Yeah. A lot of, like a lot of, of yes. science fiction before Star Wars is like every, things should look new. And it's literally about thinking about how great the future will be, especially with Star Trek. is like mm. all super optimistic. Whereas Star no Wars is no like, like spills on their shirt in the future. No, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just everything's all sweet. And then Star Wars is like, yeah, it's actually all the stuff's old. It's all old yeah, shit. Right. And this isn't even the future. This is the past. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> okay, well, that part we're going to ignore because everyone three has to years. ignore it because it's really dumb. Right? Yeah, but, I mean, no, that's, it's useful. It's communicating yeah. to you that this is a fantasy world, that this is not yeah. even. Yeah, whatever you know about it, is, it's, not, it's, not, it's not real. It makes yeah, you. Like... It, it sets the tone of science fantasy versus science fiction. Yes. You know, yeah. and like you know, you look at a long three time years ago. After, you know, like a like a fairy tale, like right. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> know, three years after Star Wars, you have Blade Runner that comes out, right? Which really takes this ball yeah, and yeah, runs yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. have they, Alien. They were like, what if what which, if it was dirtier? Yeah, yeah they really you, pushed. The, you, they took the knob of dirty all the way up. Yeah, you think about the way into the Nostromo, the ship from Alien is designed, right? Like, in a pre-Star Wars world, that ship looks drastically different. But mm. in a post, it looks super lived in. <clears throat> and this aesthetic design is to this day still used. I mean, it, it's, it's like in a lot of ways. Um, I, and I feel like George, George Lucas gets more credit than, like, 
like someone like George Miller who invented post-apocalypse and is constantly stolen from and no one is constantly like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we stole this from George Miller, right? People are pretty mm-hmm. honest about like, we clearly stole this from Star Wars, you know? So this, I think, number one, is easily one of the most obvious and important contributions and in a very clear line of like pre-Star Wars, post-Star Wars, cool. right? Do this day... Okay. Everything stills this look, right? And I got to give a shout out to Ralph McQuarrie, who's one of the greatest concept artists, made all the movie posters. He's an incredible animator. Um, he's the guy who did almost all the concept art for Star Wars. He is the guy who George Lucas said, like, I want shit to look used. And he was like, gotcha. Um, cool. Cool. Took that ball and ran with it. Ralph McQuarrie, absolute legend. Um, concept art The concept art looks really cool. It's, just, it's, um, yes. it's sort of like... Imagine if you had a dream after watching Star Wars, I guess, where everything's mm-hmm. just like kind of right but kind of wrong. Yeah, yeah, it feels like that. Mm. Yeah, but still dirty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think I um, think the Darth Vader concept art makes him look so much more evil to me than he even looks in the movie. Yeah. That's what I always love about. Well, those in all pieces. of the concept art, his cape is flowing, and in, yeah. in the real movie, his cape mostly just hung straight down. And also, he has kind of more of a like beak-like thing, like oh, on his yeah, face. Yeah. It almost makes him look like I don't know, like more demonic to me. Yeah, um, just absolutely super important. I mean, I yeah. think like the, I have a lot of pictures of the Millennium Falcon in here because that is like, you know, it's like when Luke first sees the Millennium Falcon, he calls it a piece of junk. Yeah, and in no other science fiction film could that have been true at that point. But, like, the Millennium Falcon, even though it's so iconic, you look at it, it's just cobbled together. This is a really dumb-looking ship, yeah. Yeah, but it's dirty as hell. It's grimy. The fact that, like, you can get so much about Han Solo as a character by how the inside of the Millennium Falcon looks. It's like, oh, a bachelor and his weird dog friend live here. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. It looks like that. It's a mess. Yeah. 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 And, like, this design, this used world design is, like, I think, number one, probably one of, like, I think the most important things that Star Wars contribution. So now I'm going to get into the, sort of the technical stuff that it kind of did. One, we got to talk about John Dykster. Yeah. John Dykster was a designer I don't know who that is, but ILM. I just like that look of his. <laughs> he, he looks a little Harrison Fordy with his shirt. Only yeah. two buttons of his shirt are buttoned <laughs> while he's holding it's an It's casually holding his Oscar. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's a little Chewbacca also. <laughs> yeah, he's he's very, got a lot, yeah, yeah. a lot of good beard going. Yeah. So, you know, Star Wars was made with a very low budget. Um, you know, also kind of pre-Star Wars, you know, before Star Wars, if you wanted to make a movie with special effects, the studios would be like, cool, I hope you know it's an effect guy because we don't fucking give a shit, right? That is how all effects were kind of done. You have to sort of figure it out. Fox didn't have a uh, effects company at the house, so that's why George Lucas had to make one, right? So he hired a bunch of people. They had no money, and they had to figure out how to create these effects, right? And John Dykstra invented the Dykstra Flex, which was the very first motion control camera system ever built. This is one of those another again another watershed moment. This drastically changed the way movies were. So made. this is a this is a camera with like a Tonka truck arm on top <laughs> of it on a train track. Yeah, so it is a camera co- connected to a computer that can do the same motion over and over and over and over uh, again. So you can capture different layers of it, right? Uh, Before this, if they wanted to do the space battles, they were going to have to do them in stop motion. That was the only other right. option. And we know the one that time they, they did a stop motion thing, how bad it looked. 
Well, um, well, fuck off, one. And we're going to get to that. In <laughs> yeah, that Rancor is dope. Um, yes, yeah, so... <laughs> well, no, and actually, Alex, there's a lot more right. stop animation in Star Wars. I, I assume there's a lot there of the ones. But yeah, the, like the, the chess part. The, yeah, the, the, the chess the monster great-looking chess monster. Yeah. The chess but, okay. So, it's, but but the, the Rancor looks like ass, yeah. right? Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm specifically referring to... I always like that the, part where the guy cries after That made me so sad. Oh, yeah. That guy's like my favorite guy in the whole movie. Yeah, he's a good guy. I wish the camera just stuck with him and we just followed his adventure for some minutes. Just like the guy who's got, he wants to get revenge on Luke for killing his precious Mm. monster. Why would have been instead of half of the other things that happened? Wait, guys! Oh my God! The the this is the ending that should have happened at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, where it's just like you have all the Ewoks celebrating, basically, right? You have like you have the uh, and then like on every planet, and then just zoom on slowly on the sad guy, basically. Yeah. One day, and that's it, right? And then make him wait like twenty years until we finally find out if he gets revenge. Dude, yeah, yeah, he does, and that's the whole thing. Is like (laughs) it's like this other movie in like twenty years. He like sets out to like kill Luke Skywalker, and then he does, and he successfully kills Luke. And then we zoom out from that, and that movie was playing in it to an audience of young Rancor children who are like, "Yeah, get him!" (laughs) (laughs) See, that's a Star Wars Um, right there. Yes, that is that is a war on the Star Wars for sure. I want, um, yeah. but so the Dykstra Fleck and creating motion control cameras. So many movies that we have watched that, like literally, Back to the Future would have been impossible to make without the Dykstra Fleck. Like, that's just like a example of a movie that takes this technology and really runs with it. This is one of the most important contributions in movie history. It completely changed the way uh, special effects were done um, for years, really, until the invention of CG. Um, I want to take a quick shout out for another thing that makes Star Wars very special, along with the sort of used aesthetic, is this fucking guy. My boy, <laughs> Ben Boat. I don't know if you guys know much about Ben Boat. I don't. He ben looks like Boat a soft-spoken was... British man. He's really no, funny. He's, not. he's a really he's funny, very funny guy. He's an American dude. Um, over two. He, <laughs> he was... The sound designer. Okay, so that may be over on that, but I will say, when you showed me Dykstra, I was like, that guy looks hella Dutch. And it took me a while to figure it out, but he, because he, he was born in America, but it's definitely a Dutch name. All right, yeah, it's one anyway, of your people. So one for three. Yeah. Um, ben Burt did the sound design for Star Wars, a.k.a. I have here, it's the best job any sound designer has done ever, but I would argue it's maybe the best job anyone has done at any <laughs> job ever. Mm-hmm. And you think about Every sound design choice he created for Star Wars, from all the blaster noises, the sound of lightsabers, uh, Darth Vader's breathing, that was his idea, Mm -hmm. Um, all the O2-D2's beeps and boops, Mm -hmm. uh, the scream the TIE fighters make when Mm -hmm. they come in hot. Ben Burt is That's the reason. That's all just like it's right there in your like yes. RAM yeah. inside yes. your brain. You know your brain things. is ready to recall all of those sounds at a moment's notice. Yeah, yes. it's impressive. He... Living, it's literally a part of your mind. What do you know? Any movies he's done that are not Star Wars movies? Yes, he's done a million movies. Okay. He's also edited movies. He's done. He did most of the Star Wars movies. He did all the Indiana Jones movies. Mm. He is the reason why the Wilhelm scream right. is a thing. He is the guy. It is an old sound effect. Yeah. He, it was his calling code. He put it in all of his movies. Yeah. That's why other people design. use it now. Like, I, I don't like that other people use it because yes, I think it's I cool either. to be watching a movie and you don't know that he's doing it. 
and then that happens, and you're like, oh, Ben Burt is doing the sound. Right. But it's, now it's you can't like trust the, that. People who don't know this, so there's a scream. Was it was the first one in this movie, or was it one of his previous? No, movies? no. It's, okay. No, so one this of his previous was, movies, and a guy goes. Ah! No, I think this was his. And then so they, I think he, he Ben Burt in everything. I think Star Wars was the first Phil feature he ever worked on. Oh, okay. Um, but it's not. So the, again, it's not where this sound effect comes. So he from, took it from the movie. That's, he yes. put it in this, yeah. and it was so iconic, or he enjoyed it so much, he made it iconic by putting it in every other movie he did. Yes. And then at some point, like film nerds found out and were like, "What a cool thing! Let's do that in our movies." And they took it and ran with it. And you want it to be only Ben Burtt's property, but I. I, I just I, think that's that's mm. the only the joke doesn't make sense yeah, any yeah. other way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's 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 kind of like if you started pitting Alfred Hitchcock in your own movies when it's yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock is his signature is that he's in that's his funny. movies. That's that's really you don't really pit good. him in also, your movies. I, similarly, <laughs> like, that's I do weird, start right? every podcast with DJ Khaled yelling, "Another one, another one." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's such yeah, a good ben, idea. If you just put Alfred Hitchcock in your movies without his permission, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wait, think it's okay um, now. Actually, wait, wait. Can you get can you get DJ Khaled to do the Wilhelm scream and then, but like have the face of uh, uh, Hitchcock? Yeah, the, can we get the, that to be our signature distinct, somehow? The distinctive chin and side face. Yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, Ben Burt, absolute legend. Yeah. Uh, he's worked on some. One of your favorite movies, Ben Boat, has worked on. He's okay. not just a sound designer. He's also an award-winning editor. Um, he's a, an incredible career, super talented guy. Um, it's probably uh, – we should point out uh, – sorry. Uh, just He's such a cool guy. He deserves uh, to have his name spelled correctly, oh, so I've updated. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same Let's with Dykstra. I, we were a little off on yeah, Dykstra. I, we're caught I, up. I went through this real fast last night. I understand. Right? Ben Burt, two um, T's for those listening at home. Dude, that's awesome. Oh, yes. you know. Bonus T. Uh, that's signature yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that so, second T is like, ah! You know, uh, real fast, uh, real quick, Watershed lighting round. Uh, Star, Trek com- Star Trek. Star Wars completely uh, changed the way film compositing was done. Um, it absolutely very, very important. For that, it completely changed the way blue screen technology was done by using better lighting and shooting it in new ways. Its use of map painting was done with ways it's never done before. Um, the idea of your credits being at the end of your movie instead Ooh. of all at the beginning, that is Star Wars. Star Wars is the Ooh. reason why that is a thing. Crazy. So much easier to leave when it's at the end. If it's at the beginning. I was thinking about this last night about how like movies today yep. have so many people who work on them. Could you imagine if you had to sit through 15 minutes insane. of credits yeah. still yeah. Yeah. for movies? Yeah. Well, th- um, there's a weird thing, though, for the old movies also. So like the thing they would have at the end of old movies was trailers because they'd be trailing yeah. the movie. Uh, yeah. And oh, they'd that be makes like, so much more sense. Right? And Why so we like trailers mm-hmm. leading the cars. Yeah. <laughs> the cars before the horse. <laughs> That's such a good point. Um, I didn't realize that. So all of these things were just the first movie, right? And again, there's even more stuff that the first movie did. I don't want to get into. Um, and every Star Wars movie after this would eventually add some stuff that completely changed the way movies are made. So going back to the stop motion thing, I got to talk about Phil Tippett, who, by the way, this is not a mugshot of him. This is just what he looks like now. And to awesome. describe it, this is uh, um, imagine you a see a dude shot. with a good beard and um, just some eyes that are staring, staring at your soul. Yeah, that's um, Phil Tippett. 
Yeah. But Phil Tippett is an uh, animating genius. Uh, he just released a really awesome passion stop animation project passion project called Mad God. You can watch online. It's Ooh. fucking incredible. Ooh. Um but Phil Tippett and his team used motion control cameras to invent Go Motion, uh, which is how stop animation is still done to this day. There would not be Leica if it wasn't for his work on Empire Strike Back. I, yeah, right? I should like be this... clear. I do think the Rancor looks really weird in this movie. I mm. love stop motion. I don't yes. think it always combines nicely with actual motion. And also, yeah, I will well... say calling it Go Motion is a little cheesy. It's like but our stop Empire motion is more back. action. It's called go motion. That feels like one of those people who's like, we don't have problems. We have challenges or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? But on Empire Strikes Back, he did it for the um, Tauntauns. Uh, yeah. The Tauntaun yeah, thing yeah. at the beginning, yeah. right? Which actually I think looks really good. But that's because like, yeah, the snow right. wind is blowing it yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of covered. But like this... This was really, really important to the art of stop and emotion. Like I said, Leica still uses a version of this technology that they invented on Empire Strikes Back. Um, Return of the Jedi uh, had, you know, very advanced 3D wireframing, which sounds very silly today. But in 1983, again, this was fucking mind-blowing, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, pitting up wireframes on screen, having it on, like, rotated surfaces in front of you. This was, like, the most advanced thing you could do with computers at the time. And if you can't um, picture it, this is, like, uh, Rebels are trying, trying to figure out, like, you know, exactly, like, like the little cool video, the training video. It's like, all right, this is how we shoot the thing. This is the planning thing, that, that wire. Yes, thing, so. exactly. Um, this is also the first film to use uh, THX sound mixing, uh, which absolutely set a new standard for audio in theaters, right? Like, this, your home theater systems that you have today would probably not exist if it wasn't for the work that THX did um, in changing the way movies sound, right? Um, so the original trilogy has so much incredible stuff, but now, you guys, Aww. I need to go up to the future. I need to go into the year 2002, okay? So you guys, I need you to stay calm for this next part, all right? All right, things are about to get a little fucking weird. It's not weird with you. You've always been an a apologist. A little bit, a little hyperbolic. Yeah. Oh, dude, are we gonna see and a gooberfish? No. Is it gooberfish no. time? <laughs> but, but just trust me. Um, we just need, we need to talk gungans. We need to talk about episode two, oh. Attack of the Clones. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about episode two, Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. But episode two, Attack of the Clones, mm -hmm. is m probably. One of the most important films ever made. Um, it is. This is exhausting. From a certain point of view. One of the biggest. From a certain point of view. It is one of the most important watershed moments in the history of movies. All right? Every movie that has been released in the last 21 years owes something to Attack of the Clones. All right? Which is why so, they've gotten so bad. You know, yeah, like, exactly. That's why, you know how like movies suck now. Yeah, that's yeah. Why it was it's a watershed moment where they were like, sequels do not have to be better. Hmm. Before that, it was just Godfather, yeah. and then they were like, no, mm -hmm. look, you can do you can do a second movie that's much worse than the original. Yeah, dude. Yes. But okay, so let me just wait. Is that a gooberfish? Yeah, it's added the gooberfish yeah, for, for you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Goober, guys, gooberfish so uh, looks like a bluefish. Got some spikes coming down. Spikes going up. Looks, uh, looks like, like a, it might eat you. Bit of a goober. Let me just kind of set the stage. So I want to kind of, and I'm sure you guys know this, but I really want to uh, paint a picture for you. Let me explain to you how every movie before Attack of the Clones was made, every single movie 
was made like this, all right? So here's what you used to do. You would show up to set, a bunch of actors and crew. You would film with film ma- on film can- magazines, right? That will, had 10 minutes of film of them, right? So mm-hmm. if you're shooting a take, like you're on your third take and an actor's doing a long scene, uh, that film runs out, you gotta stop, the actor gets fucked up, you know, it becomes a whole thing on set. So you're, you're shooting on film, then you, once you were done with that magazine, you would take it out, make sure you document very clearly exactly what's on that, mm. you'd put that away, you would send that off to get processed. You would not know if the shot turned out good until 24 hours later, right? At most, what you had was a small four-inch black and white video screen that would show you kind of what the shot you just looked like shot, what it looked like. You wouldn't know till the next day if it was blown out, if it was out of focus, or there was a continuity error, and if you were shooting a movie, uh, and you had just stripped that set, or you only had that set for the one day, and you watched the dailies the next day, and something is bad, you were fucked. You had to f- figure out something, right? And then they would take that film, and they would send it to editors, right? And now a lot of times, there's stories about like edit, like film, especially like international shoots. Uh, like the film would get open in customs, and the customs would expose it to light and ruin all the things you just shot. Like mm-hmm. that has happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if that didn't happen, you would send your film to the editors. The editors would hand cut the film together, mm-hmm. scene by scene, frame by frame, hoping they didn't accidentally lose a frame, hoping they didn't damage anything. Mm-hmm. Then you would take that film, once you cut it together, you would send it to some other people. They would have big baths of chemicals that they would soak your film in with a stopwatch to make sure it wasn't in there for too long to do the color correcting right, right? And then what they would do is they would have your finished film, they would take your finished negative, they would make a copy of it, and then they would make a copy of that, and then they would use those copies to mass-produce prints, right? That would get sent out to the theaters. And if your print you got was made from that, that second or third copy, it would be a worse quality than, than the original master negative, right? And then they would send those, maybe that bad quality copy out to a movie theaters where some dumbass stoner projector, uh, projectionist would fuck something up. The film would get damaged. It would get scratched. If there was a brain wrap, they would just take it and cut out a few frames. And then they would tape it back together inside the projector. So you're yeah. saying it was a pretty right? easy process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're saying it was really smooth and easy, and then you did not take a random swipe at projectionists, a dying art form. uh, (laughs) I was a projectionist for 10 years, dude. I I, I, I I realize you're the sonar projectionist in the story. I'm talking about myself here. A projectionist will splice a single frame of a penis in the middle of that family film. Fight Club. That's a watershed moment right there. Like, I guarantee every single one of us, because of the time we grew up, saw a movie in the theater that was missing frames, right? That was doctored by a projectionist because they had to. It all has happened to us probably at least once, all right? So that was the process that literally every film before back. Attack of the Clones I'm going to go ask here. for my money back for anything yeah, I saw before funny. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, I missed these frames. <laughs> hey, I saw Speed here in 1999, and, was and like, it was missing frames. going one twenty-ninth of a second faster than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, question, um, uh, Anthony, quick question. Yes. You're saying there is an issue at, at customs sometimes. In your estimation, how many brave editors smuggled 
that footage internally mm-hmm. in order to get through customs. In the back think? pocket. Uh, again, probably more than zero, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> I mean, re- realistically, right? Well, especially uh, with film, because he did a lot of his recording uh, just over the border so that he wouldn't have to pay union rates. So, um, this... I'm just saying, there's a lot the of water is, He changed the industry in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the point is, the fact that any movie... One, even today, the fact that a single good movie has ever been made is fucking mind blowing. Yeah, right? every, every movie. The amount a of work and everything that has to go into mm-hmm. it. All right, so what Attack of the Clones did and how it changed it was it was the first film entirely shot with digital cameras. It was the first film to have an entirely digital post production pipeline, and it was the first film to be digitally distributed and projected. Something literally every movie made in the last 21 years has done at least two of the three of. All right. So the way they shot Attack of the Clones was they used these digital cameras that they co-developed with Sony that were literally finished days before filming commenced. The serial numbers on the cameras were 001 through 0004, right? (laughs) They were the first four digital cameras ever made for shooting a movie with, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, the way they would make Attack of the Clones is they would set up these cameras, they would film them, film a scene with it, immediately be able to throw their footage up on a 40-inch plasma HD color television where everyone could gather around and review the shots from the directors, the actors, the hair, to makeup, to continuity. Yeah. They could then send that footage to an editing team that was around the corner who could immediately start digitally editing. That means they could literally watch rough cuts of scenes they shot that morning, that afternoon. Yeah. All right? I just got to say real quick, one and I've heard, like, I know all this about Attack of the Clones, and the thing that, every time I think about this, the thing that blows my mind about it is that all of this technology, to me, suggests that now you can be really meticulous Mm -hmm. about... The movies yeah. and really stress on all the finer details. And, and, and Attack of the Clones may the, be the most chill, who gives a fuck movie I've yeah. ever seen in my life. You know what I mean? Like it's just like a yeah, whatever. I, like it, that's the, good. All of that pipeline hunter was so that they could get the footage right away, put it up on a plasma HD television screen, and then go, "Yep, nailed it in one," and then move on <laughs> to the next shot. That's yeah. why that, it's they just built crazy because it feels. But like the whole point of this, right, is like we could do a million takes like now you know what i mean we could know yeah. we know exactly what we're getting you could really like fine yeah. tooth comb through the yeah. entire movie and that is not a, like you know, maybe look, you, just, maybe you instead, like that movie that's a that's cool but it's not yeah. like a meticulous movie you know <laughs> no, it, it, he did it for fucking children and if you if you still can't get that in 2023 i don't know what to say for you there's a reason why kids fucking love these movies, right? Yeah, why you, you love the ones good, mov- good movies for kids and bad movies but, for kids. I don't know why we have to just say we don't. Okay, well, so here, I, I, wait, I can I can weigh on this one. I have human children. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah, um, and Attack of the Clones is their one. They don't. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Episode one. Real big fans. I've definitely watched multiple times. Caleb is still a little scared. Like to like it's a little he can't quite get through a decapitation scene yet in Attack yeah, of the Clones. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I think it's yeah, yeah. is definitely Senate negotiations. Oh, yeah. it, the decapitation <laughs> is too gnarly. He wants I mean it's a it's a bummer to to, to ha- hold your dad's head. I guess that's it. I think that's what that yeah, is that's a pretty that's wild thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Like that's insane. Yeah. yeah. But it's a kids but, movie so it's fine. It is a kids movie. Yes, but my my point is 
We like, no, we hear your is, point. We just it also is, no. the movie is hard to watch. Yeah, again, I I agree. I'm, I'm not a fan of it either. It's yeah. my least favorite of the original George Lucas six for sure. Um, but I I just like it is the type of thing. Every time, every once in a while, I think about this kind of stuff, and it just like it blows my mind how forward thinking even a bad movie is, mm. and like how important even a bad movie can be. And the fact that like every film literally since Attack of the Clones has been made differently than every film was made for a hundred years before that. It's just, it's so impressive to me. I do think this is, I agree with this. And I do think there's a very important thing, which is that whether a movie is a good movie is such a small part of it being a movie. That's like a tiny, tiny part. There's so much else going on. And what I like, like the thing about that sound editor that we're talking about, Bert with two T's or whatever, um, Mm -hmm coolest guy ever but if this, that movie had been a worse script it wouldn't be like wow the sound editing saved it it's like yeah. he got to all that stuff is cool and we mm-hmm. know about it because it was also a good movie yeah that's yeah. true well i mean it's uh, just it's one, also like, like the movie being good is like this is one of its hundred qualities and right. there's a lot yeah. of else going on and in this case also well, like the the digital pipeline to watching it on tv is like also one of the facets of this movie yeah and I think if you really wanted to get into, like, the deep psychology of George Lucas here, like, I don't think he would say he did it for the young filmmakers. I think the reason why, like, even that's, like, a huge benefit that outweighs anything else with it. The real reason why I believe he did this, is I don't know if you know this, but on the making of Star Wars, George Lucas at, like, 20-something years old or thirty early 30s, I forget how old he was, he had a fucking heart attack. A stress-induced heart mm-hmm. attack from the making of Star Wars because it was such a nightmare. It is why he never directed again until the prequels. And I truly believe that a part of him, he really didn't want to admit it, was like, making that movie sucks so much that if I'm going to do it again, I'm going to make it as easy on me as <laughs> yeah, yeah, humanly yeah. possible. I do feel like the, village, script, baby. the script yeah. of this movie was set up to make sure he didn't have a heart attack. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he just he just got I mean, to that, play that, with new look, toys. That was very reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. He he sat down. Everyone else did the hard work around him, and he went, "Oh, that that's great. I love it." You know, like that's yeah. that was <laughs> his thing every day, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to have another fucking heart attack making these movies. I mean, like that is to me when I think of the effort of the prequels. That's what really comes off. It's like you not want to have another heart attack. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna take it real easy. And everything's going to be super fucking chill. Um, so on my final point here, I, I do kind of want to bring up sort of what I feel. I, I do genuinely feel like, again, I don't want to get into the quality of the Disney Star Wars stuff. But I kind of feel like this spirit has been lost in their films. In a lot of ways, they've actually kind of regressed in technology, which is something that really upsets me. Like, like it's neat that J.J. Abrams demanded that all the sequel trilogy be shot on film, but I think that's a stupid idea. I think, like, the idea of Star Wars going back inherently makes it non-Star Wars. Right. right? Hmm. It, this, this driving technology along with the stories and stuff is a part of it. And, like, I think, like, that regressive view feeds into the stories. It feeds into the quality of the movies. This is why The Force Awakens is basically just a remake of A New Hope, right? Because mm-hmm. everything goes in that. And the actual making of the movie has that philosophy of, oh, we're going to go back to how it used to be. And that is so anti what I think makes Star Wars special. And I think that as long as Disney 
refuses to look forward with Star Wars, not just in stories, but I'm talking about in the technology they use, they're never going to get there. Um, hmm. There is obviously one incredible major innovation that Star Wars did uh, bring, um, and that is what was baby Yoda, Yoda like as a baby? Yep. Yeah, what was Yoda like as a baby? Uh, but, but no, um, the truth is the LED volume. Yeah, which, yeah, that's uh, cool. Which is certainly, I think, much better for television than it is for movies. Of I've only liked one movie that's used it, and that was Matt Reeves' The Batman. Um, like that's the only movie I have seen that uses like a huge amount of the volume. That blew my mind when I learned it uses the volume. I could not. I love believe its it. goals though, because I think yeah. the thing that not to say more bad things about the prequel trilogy, but I think I, I think part of the innovation that it brought is that I think it made the job of being an actor in a movie like that, like so much harder. Yeah. And I still think that's very true. And I love the goal of this technology being let's give the actors like very mm. real tangible stuff to see and interact with. Yeah. Cause I think it is a lot to expect and like and then someone to we'll nail it over his head. So you can't see any of his acting. Well, that is kind of, a, that, is, <laughs> yeah. that is a but, little I mean, bit where it gets a little bit muddy. <laughs> as far as the goal no and a puppet will be the only <laughs> one. Very, very good. Point. This volume. Listen, we're you... bringing a lot here so you can see some stuff, but we don't want to see your face <laughs> at mean, all, buddy. You, you guys, you, you know, the helmet and armor, is them showing off the technology, right? Like, sure. If you try to shoot the Mandalorian on any other type of like how they shot the prequels, you literally could not do it. Huh. You could not have a character who was a giant mirror, right? Right, on a blue screen or Ray green screen set. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you could not. You could not do that. You can only have a character like the Mandalorian, someone who's a big, shiny, reflective surface on a volume. Right. You well, but you could, could, you, you could. all you do is you would make his armor look a little more lived in sci-fi. Just muddy it up a little yeah. bit. Right. Dip but that the, it's, shiny metal in yeah. some mud. Yeah. But on my final note, yeah. I just want to mm -hmm. say, I hope uh, Disney and Lucasfilm find that spirit again of innovation. But if not, we always got the goddamn king, oh, James yeah. Cameron, still. <laughs> At least Cameron's That's still out there. That's a guy who knows so. the technology is only ever used in service of a good story. That's... Yep. The king yeah, of the of. good Always every story. Time. Um, Avatar yeah, you're, you're 2, joking. Way of the Water. <laughs> you're joking. I, that Avatar, way, Avatar 2, Way of the Water, freaking owns, dude. It's a great movie. Uh, <laughs> James nice. Cameron. It, this is a fun thing about our podcast, is having the, the only person who believes that on the show every week. It's given this false <laughs> sense of how much people like that movie. Hold on. I'm sure James Cameron also believes this. So I believe there's yeah. two. And I believe there's more There's more James, James Stammerins mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> than there are uh, Have Alex, I added this on the show Alex's. that I think we should stop using Stan? I, like, I love it. It's such a funny joke. But I, I think we, he, he kills his wife. That's literally what Stan mm. is known for, is putting his wife in the trunk and driving uh, into the ocean. And I just feel I like... I didn't know this. Stan comes from the Eminem. It's song from the Eminem Stan. song "Stan," and it's, oh, it's he is oh, the super passionate oh. fan. It's not a real person. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a real person. Eminem. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. He drives I forgot about. A car full I forgot of his about the song. Off a, Devin Sawa. Bridge. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that that is a weird connect. It was really funny when t people on Tumblr started saying it originally, or mm. uh, where like whatever part of the internet that bubbled up. Okay, so it's a funny idea. Real quick, can we can we beat I'm it then? Can we can we beat this? What's better than Stan? What's a good fictional fan that shows like the epitome I, of obsessive fandom? I think we should just 
take Swifties for all type of fans. Right? Oh, it's just it, oh, what kind of Swiftie are you? A Swiftie also has that same intent. Like you hear Swiftie, yeah, yeah. and you just know oh, that's an intense fan. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah dude. You know it is. I mean, so like that kind of fits to kind of loop it back around, you know? Because like one. George Lucas says. It's like poetry. It rhymes, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we are going to move on. We've got uh, to rank it. We've got to find out where this lands on the master list. First, I want to let you know that this uh, our, this episode of the show, like all episodes of the show, are brought to you by our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash btepod. You can become a bestie and help support the show with the only way we know how to receive support, which is financially. Uh, p- Patreon.com slash btpod. We really appreciate everybody who supports the show. You can get so- some great things like thank you segments on the show. You can get merch. Ezra, do you have a question? Did you mean to call them BTE Swifties? Yes, B- yeah, yeah. of course. You can be one of our Swifties. A <laughs> best thing ever Swifty. Um, Let's make this happen, you guys. It already works. Just every listener tomorrow... Just at work, just casually drop. You know, I'm a real Swifty for this coffee. I like it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What just, are you a Swifty of? Just, we're all Swifties or something. Yeah, good. we're all Swifties or something. I Swift this coffee. Um, yeah. uh, also, I, I, uh, Patreon just announced that they're rolling out a feature where you can have uh, free a free tier with your Patreon. And so we're going to figure out a thing to offer so you can become mm. a free Patreon. Because I just... I like having people be involved, and so I'm going to figure out what we can do at the free level. So that, all that and more is coming up. But we really appreciate everybody who supports us financially. That's, that is also useful in the long run. We need the money um, to buy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Nailed it. Star Wars stuff, got it dude. In one. Let's keep it. <laughs> all right. And now it is time for the all-important ranking. We need to rank Star Wars on the master list of the best things ever. Hunter, will you please read the previous... I think 20 is my max. After this, we will only read chunks, but there's only 19 up there. So mm-hmm. please read all of the things in order that are the best okay. things. Number one, warm beverages, firefighters, Zelda, arcades, human children, My Neighbor Totoro, pro wrestling, romance novels, trees, advice columns, a variety, like there being different stuff the sun fresh bread <laughs> nordic track stand-up comedy powerlifting, cat videos playing halo with the boys waffle house all right i'm gonna 19th. start out the bidding i think star wars is 18th i think it's right below Whoa. cat videos just above halo with the boys just well, above halo with the boys huh you're gonna dumpster it and you're not even gonna throw me a little bone <laughs> you're gonna dumpster it and you're not even just gonna throw me a little bone you're like i think we should dumpster it but in a way that makes hunter feel bad too <laughs> I mean, just you have the bottom two. I think you got to keep them. The thing is, if it's below playing Halo you know, with the boys, you can't have it go down twice and loop back to first. So this is oh actually helping you out strategy. by giving you a buffer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to say, I think Star Wars is for human children. So mm-hmm. it should be around human children. I think that's where... I think we should almost make them co-five. You know what I mean? I think five should be Star Wars and then human children and then six is my neighbor Totoro. I think that Man. is it I think that that's a not. good place. I just want to say Star real Wars. quick why I feel like dumpstering this is like everything you just said Anthony was really interesting and I loved that presentation and I do think it's all important and good. But also Disney what Disney has done with Star Wars it's not even about story. It's just about how much Star Wars there is. Mm. And Star Wars went from being like one of the most special things in my life 
that I adored and I wanted to learn everything about in its small way to being like, mm. I might be in a Star Wars right now. I have no, there's yeah. so much Star Wars everywhere. I feel like I'm breathing Star Wars around. When I, the first time I saw cardboard uh, 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 um, cutouts of, of stormtroopers in the entrance to a target, I was like, oh, this is not fun anymore for me. Mm. It's just like, it's just so big and ubiquitous and corporate mm. feeling that I, my interest in it has been just beaten down by its, See, I, its existence everywhere. I, well, that's another thing about Lucas compared to Disney is that the fact that like the prequels were hated at the time, but Lucas stuck with his guns and yeah. he kept making them. The fact that Disney had one movie that some, a lot of vocal people hated online yeah. and they immediately kowtowed to him. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they were like, oh, we've upset no the backbone. Nazis, we need to change plans. Yo, yeah, I know, like it, I know where I want to put it. Well, you've convinced me, Anthony. I'm going to say 17. It's just above cat videos. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say 11 makes a lot of sense because this is the first time I think I saw more than one sun at once. Oh, mm -hmm. that's over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right yeah, above the sun, I think, suns. makes a lot of sense. We got at least two suns. And like, yeah. there's lots of stars there. And so it's multiple, oh. multiple stars, multiple wars. I do like it being with the, the sun in a space vibe, in a space I think you could do no lower. Yeah. It, has, it can be no lower than 11. So I think I, I could get up, up, up higher. But I think that's 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 the that's the lowest I could possibly go. Wait, if it was right, yeah, I mean, right above I, the sun, it would be twelve. But yeah, right. Well, okay, yeah. Bump hand down. Hunter, what do you, where do you come in on this? I don't. I think that in general, I'm less attracted to like whether something was a watershed or not is something that I can appreciate. Um, but I think I liked uh, I like r refined works more than things that get a lot of credit for uh, like inventing a lot of stuff. And I'm not, I don't want to downplay. Uh, something being watershed, but in the interest of consistency on my other show, on Old Gamer's Almanac, um, I have kind of downplayed how much I like uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And that's a watershed game. But I yeah. just think, and it's a very important game, and it's, a, it's an amazing, like, magical thing. I just think that later, people looked at all of that work, and then they made a more, like, refined product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, that like, I enjoy I, that, even though that refinement, as far as the work they're doing, is less. They didn't have to make right. all this stuff up. Yeah, yeah. That the elegance of looking at the kind of rough draft of everything and saying, "Here's actually the really smart, kind of smooth way to like, do this." That's the stuff that really lives with me. I, think, I love longer. that. I totally agree with that. And I feel, I feel like there's no, that 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 one movie where all the people are walking out of their factory. And then it's over. That movie is like such a watershed in the history of filmmaking. <laughs> well, the, yeah. <laughs> the movie where the train kind of comes at the audience and then it doesn't the train hit comes them. At the, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like huge watershed moments. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna curtail this because uh, my wife has to go to bed. So here's my feeling. I know where I think this should be emotionally, but my yes. feeling about Star Wars has not changed. Star Wars from happening. I can't stop it. It feels right. inevitable. It's everywhere mm -hmm. all the time, and I it like my distaste of it is not successful. So I am uh, with I'm, I am open to wherever you guys want to put it because mm -hmm. it feels appropriate that Star Wars happens to me whether I like it or not. Okay, yeah. I, I have I I'll just throw out then in the interest of I don't uh, know what mm -hmm. Nordic track is. How about we put it above Nordic track? Uh, also, <laughs> I wasn't on the Human Children episode. I would not have approved of Human Children being so high. And I just want to say for mm -hmm. the record, I if had I been on that episode, I would have 
talked about how much uh i mean i'm sure the kids are again if they're your kids I, it's cool or and they're i'm sure they're great or whatever i just don't like them and I but think they what if okay I, how would you feel though if human <laughs> children shared its spot with star wars though? would that make you feel better I, about human children being on the list i, I no i would I'm just, just like to yeah. point out hunter that this is what happens you miss school you miss out you miss school, you miss out. Here, I'm, you I'm, I watch the Goonies. I'm, there are several things hear on here that you and and I don't know. It is a, a chicken and egg problem. Would you have changed its voting, or would the presentation have changed your opinion? We can't tell which mm. is which. Either way, I know where it wouldn't be. Um, but that's what happens when you are too busy flying home to New York. It's the th uh, yeah. Uh, yeah See, that's just how it is. You, my here's my thing. Um, my wife doesn't have to go to bed, so I got no problem being here all night, Alex. <laughs> I, need, I, I need someone to propose so a solution just, quickly. Yeah, I've submitted no, I my just, vote. That's it. I I I am going. I I agree a lot with Ezra. I honestly think split it straight down the middle, give it like ten or eleven. <laughs> like I would be completely so happy with things, that. And I yeah. think that's one of the fascinating things about this list is us being cowards over and over and over again. This is what happens. I'm not being a coward. I genuinely believe like, that that's a good spot for it. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, I, right. that, I, I think Ezra was right with like the sun thing and right. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I, just, I think if you gave this ten, I'd be. I think that's kind of where it deserves to be because of all the bad stuff that, like, if all if we were counting just the good stuff, it would probably need to be one or two. But if you have to count all the bad stuff, I think that balances <laughs> out to being about ten. Of course, yeah, that's I think all that's, these well, it's right because this is the sun-based thing, right? So it's like one once again. Two suns more powerful than one sun, mm -hmm, but right. again, not as powerful as trees, which can block the sun. I think so yeah, perfect that's sense. So it has to be. I think, has to be between, I think we've settled. Yeah. This is okay with you, Hunter. I'm absolutely yeah. okay with it. Is above Nordic track for you, um, below human children, but uh, uh, I, I I have to go on record. I do not love that you called it human children instead of just kids. I feel like that is the weirdest way to say those it's words. It's so human important children. that we don't think it's baby goats. I was trying to help people understand. The, the way Wait, you say human children makes it be clear that you are not a human. It's like, it's like you're a vampire who loves a specific kind of child no, to I, eat, I, which nope, is a human I, child. I like human children because it sounds like we're talking about like a prog rock album that is like yeah, the fifth best thing human in the world. Children. Fucking Russia's human children dude, is a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> all right, Star Wars is the new tenth best thing of all time. Please send your hate mail to us at our email address, which I will say later because I don't remember it until I look at it. Before we go, I want to play, do a little bit of business. I want to read one letter. This is mostly for Ezra. Everyone else is welcome to listen if they choose or not. This is from Destiny, longtime friend of the show, longtime supporter of the show, bestie, Swifty for our show. This was a read and yeah. weep Swifty from back in the day. Destiny says, okay, Ezra, so the breakdown would most likely be the staple length of the fibers you'd find in your lint trap. So staple length refers to the length of the individual fibers. So if you picture like a ball of fluff, it has thousands of individual fibers in it. And that, each one of those has a length, that's the staple length. In spinning yarn, the individual fibers are being twisted together. And this twist is what makes the fibers grab onto each other. So longer staple length makes for more easy spinning, generally, because you're spinning. You're also pulling the fibers apart to create length and thinness, right? You're stretching them. The shorter the staple length, the easier it is for the strand you're creating to break apart as you're spinning it. So shorter staple length also makes for weaker yarn. Uh, a hairier yarn, uh, bits with fiber that will stick out, and a less durable yarn, it'll break down quickly, and whatever you've made will develop holes and pill flat faster. So in short, short staple wool, uh, not in short, so short staple wool for spinning is maybe two inches. Short staple, staple cotton for spinning is maybe about one inch. The stuff that is sloughed off by your clothes in the dryer isn't even close 
to mm. one inch long. Just for funsies, <laughs> I pulled a handful of lint out of my dryer and tried to see if I could figure out the staple length, but the bits of the fiber were so small, I couldn't even see them. Uh, it just kind of crumbled. It was more like <laughs> cotton dust. I don't think it would ever be spinnable. I bet you could get it wet and make a nice paper, though. Mm. So your meta sweater is not a possibility, but you might be able to do a meta cloth of some kind, like cloth okay. paper of some kind. Um, that might be interesting. Uh, maybe you guys, uh, you and I could write our next book on lint trap. Paper. There'll be a limited edition yeah. book that we can I, release. Very limited edition. I was actually going to say all that last week. I, know, I, just, I didn't get this. into it. It's weird. It's, it was like right on the tip of my tongue, but so, I was going to say all that. So just a reminder, this is from know. several weeks ago in our, in our variety episode. Hunter, you were not here for it. One of the topics we talked about in our variety episode was Ezra's idea for a meta sweater. Could you knit a sweater out of just uh. the lint in your lint trap? And Destiny, longtime Swifty of the show, who owns a wonderful yarn shop in Seattle, uh, is a is a um, a knitting enthusiast and, and proponent. Uh, took the time to go Very to cool. her dryer and check for staple length all the way to the dryer. Was unable to Insane. come up with it. And uh, Insane, Destiny. Absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, heroic work, Destiny. Uh, thank you so much for putting in the time and for helping us out and for crushing Esther's dream of you the mess. Crazy. <laughs> is there's no way Destiny was the first person to do that, right? Somebody else has definitely tried that. Destiny is Lin the first person to do it for our show. For us, for sure. <laughs> but believe, it's, but yes. it's just one of the craziest things about the world. Um, um, next week, hell, this topic is yes. not going to be Avatar 2, The Way of Water. I don't know. You uh, left it blank, so it kind of has to be whatever you know, I wrote. I don't can think I, that's what yeah, it can I just, <laughs> can I just say, Alex, you genuinely made me so happy when you were shitting on Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Because here's the thing. We went through 13 fucking years of people saying no one cares about Avatar, no one likes Avatar. Mm -hmm. Then the sequel made two point three billion dollars, and, no and you immediately still. like it's the craziest thing to have a movie be the, mm -hmm. in the top three bet, top selling movies of all time, and literally except for you, no one ever talks about it. It's craziness. It's so interesting to make I, a movie where everyone I felt like they had to see talk... it, and it and it had the impact on everybody of a little bit of water. Every, it was I like just, everyone I'd had love a sip the... of water and was like six years like, like water. Everyone drinks water, but people don't talk that off. Actually, people on the internet talk too much about water. See, this, the point this is, is no what's one so cares awesome about this movie. Is, no, we get we get another ten years of this. I really thought maybe Avatar two being so successful would shut most people oh up, God. but I should have known better because that's awesome. I just I'm so happy that we get another ten years of you saying no one cares about Avatar, and then the third one's gonna come out and it's gonna make another two point five billion dollars, and you're gonna say no one cares. And then the fourth one's gonna come out. Avatar three will not do nearly as well. I think there's gonna be a significant. Don't say that. We should bet, Alex. Alex, right now. Oh my God, Alex, Alex, Alex. Let's fucking bet right now. Let's do it. I we will check back on this. Say say it again. Look me oh. in my eyes and tell me oh. Avatar I'm just to figure out, I'm won't do as well should, as Avatar. What I should do. bet with you? Um, yeah, should it be? We can talk about it off air. Should it be amount of water? We, should I bet you a gallon of no, water? No, no, no. We gotta bet. We gotta bet something real because I'm gonna make you hurt for this. <laughs> I just look me in the eyes. I, I'm gonna I, make you. I. I well, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, no, as, as no, no, no. How about this? How Naming about this? rights for your left hand. No, 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 no. It's it's simple. It's simple. It's simple. I like that. It's simple. If Avatar three. If Avatar three makes more money than Avatar as 2. much or or have more money than Avatar two, yeah, you have to watch all three. Exactly tied. Yeah, it has to be. You have to watch. You can come up with something for I did for me to do, but if Avatar three makes as much or more money than Avatar two, I want you to watch all three Avatar movies once a week 
for a week. Once a day for a week. Something whoa. crazy like I, that. that. I, I, well, oh, no. I oh, that's too, I that's too, too busy extreme. That's that, not even possible. No, no, no. I will watch Just, all three if, of them if it in a makes, row without a break. Yeah. All, all three in a row. Yeah. yeah. It's one, without one a break. day. I'll do that. And, yeah. in, in exchange, naming rights for Anthony's elbow. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't want to sure. name anything. I'll think of what I'm going to make you watch, and we'll yeah. decide on that later so that my wife can go to bed. But uh, yeah. I will watch. And I, I, I will say I watched the first one. Um, I don't remember anything about it because no one does. But the I have not seen the second one. So it will be new to me when I watch those three. Yeah. Um, exactly. When you watch all three Avatars <laughs> in one day. Because yeah. you're going to, to watch Avatar all three Avatars in one day. Avatar 2. I just, it's just no way. Um, all right. That, so that's we not next We went through 13 week. years of people seeing <laughs> Avatar 2. <laughs> Oh my God! We're, I think I'm, I'm mad so about. I'm like on you. Alex's side, but I'm mad that he's made the wrong. Like that, the bet is wrong. Like I like <laughs> Avatar three will absolutely be. No, you want to side bet money? Side bet with me, Hunter. No, all, look, all I'm saying, I'm sure it'll be a disappointingly large amount of money. My point is, the long wait is one of the things that made people curious about where Avatar two would go. The but the third thing is, so, or it could just be it, that people like Avatar and they're a good time at the movie really theater. People do really like Avatar. Got a lot yeah, of Navi Swifties over here. Here's things people have done: voted for Trump and they like Avatar, dude. Like, I, I, don't look, trust dude, people. I, I'm, I'm connect, I've, I've met normies. I just don't think. Mm. I just think the third of a thing is such a disappointing idea. the The novelty of two is so much more of a banger. All, like this mm. is not even a crazy bet for me. Twos of movies do better than the thirds of movies most of the time. No, this no. Is like... The sequel does worse. The third one always does better. One that is yeah. you can look Return up all King, movie right? history. Yes, Return of the King, Return of the Jedi. Like literally only but those, in movie two series, they both have Return in the title. I feel like that's a bias. Yo, you better watch your Spider-Man watch your butt Return. if it says Return, Return of the, the title. Avatar if it's Return 3. of yeah. Water, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man Three. We the second one always dips. The third one always does. Okay, all right, That's gotta go. I am happy gotta to go. be on the right side of history for this. And mm -hmm. if people spend too much money, also adjusted for inflation. Just to be clear. All right, we're moving on. Oh, hold on. on. Sticking right, it in there. Our, show, our uh, theme music <laughs> is by right. at Matrix. Our logo designed by at Tom Typography. We're on Instagram at BTE Pod. You can find us on YouTube at Alex Falcone. You can leave us a five, honest five-star review on Apple Podcast, and you can email us mail at Best Thing Ever Podcast. Dot com. Our producers are the Ranger Patrick, John the Consigliere, the Duke of Jill, Best Assistant Regional Manager Sean, and Claire TBD. Um, you can find me on TikTok at Alex underscore Falcone. And with no underscore, just at Alex Falcone on threads or on Ooh. Blue Sky. I'm available, whichever, if you're a cool kid or a normie, I'm available on your Twitter clone of choice. Um, Ezra, you can be found at deletethisnewsletter.substack.com. Yep. And uh, Anthony Lopez is uh, uh, thank you for being here. And Hunter Donaldson, you yeah. can listen to his other podcast, Old Gamers Almanac, where he also uh, dumpsters mo things that were changing of history, but were not as fun to play now. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. And then, the, and then uh, to go back to our to our three truths and a lie game, Ezra was the lie. As far as I know, he's never found a fried mouse in his chicken nuggets. I, I just made that up. Wait, you did work for wrote for a topless magazine. I did. I wrote for what's a, a topless magazine? I, was, I couldn't I, say I what couldn't it was. I couldn't think of a better way to describe it. It was like so. It was crazy. So it was called Top Pair. It was started by a former Playboy model, and it was Top Pair was a pun because it was topless ladies and poker. Aces, top pair. So okay. it was a poker uh, magazine with nudity, is what the, it was. So it was, weird, it was a breast fetish magazine. It wasn't like an all-around porn magazine. Well, it was I would specifically... Not, I would it was fetish specifically. It was just like, it was mild nudity. It was it was like yeah. PG-13 nudity. 
it was not full frontal. It was just toplessness, but that and poker columns. And I was a poker columnist for for three issues. It was my first ever it's writing a weird, job. It's a weird title, though, because I don't think there's a middle pair. Or like, you know, like like top pair oh, no, no, includes like a, other pairs. Like a sow or something, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. well, all right. Uh. Cat, cats have many pairs. Um, okay, there is middle pair on like a Texas Hold'em board, for sure. You could have middle pair, but okay. it doesn't work both ways. But it, but both humans and poker has top pairs, so that's why you use that. Top um, pair. Obviously, oh. you very confident in your betting skills, as we saw here this minute ago. I'm so happy <laughs> I mean, you made that bet. That bet. That like, I, the point is, no, though, I, anyway, we're moved on, Anthony. We're, uh, I'm so uh, happy. This, uh, anyway, that was my first ever writing job, and I uh, I just cold emailed this magazine. What happened was there were a bunch of poker magazines, and I wanted to write about poker, and this one I saw, the first issue came out, and it was so bad, I was like, this is achievable. So I cold emailed the editor, and I was like, I'd like to write for you, and he was like, great. And then I did. <laughs> and there you go. It worked great. All right. And that's then how you I do it. I wrote for them for three uh, issues, and then they went out of business. Um, <laughs> not my fault. Uh, anyway. Uh, but you but didn't. You didn't help enough. You know. I like didn't, yeah. Didn't bring it up. Sure. I didn't save it. Anthony, you did uh, play guitar and chess band. Never learned how to read music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Uh, you did tell us a lot of extra details. So Hunter, did we do a double lies day? Have you been to the Statue of Liberty since you sent me that fact that you hadn't been to the Statue of Liberty? Oh no, that was I was just joking around. That was just okay. like a fun joke. Good. I was just really like, worried that you had actually gone because you sent me this I like just months it, ago. Yeah, I just I thought mean, it was like funny. You were closer yeah. to the Statue of Liberty than any of us. So it's so yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like you know? is, is it just yeah. gonna change? And I just thought that'd be a funny possibility, oh, but I'm not gonna. You're currently recording from the crown of the Statue of <laughs> yes. Liberty. You're oh in. no, I moved into the <laughs> yes. Statue of Liberty. That's what I was sorry. I'm you sorry. I was close, but you did it. Is the actual truth. The, the thing is, living in the Statue of Liberty is actually cheaper than Brooklyn right now. Crazy. <laughs> New York. All right, man. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.